Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to the HIV podcast. Each week, we focus on a person, historical event, or pop culture moment linked to HIV and explore the story of what actually happened. I'm Sarah. And I'm Jess. And between us, we've been working in the field of HIV for 40 years. Our aim is to get as many people as possible HIV educated. Welcome to the HIV podcast, Sarah. Welcome aboard. (laughs) What? HIV train? Yeah, yeah. I was thinking more of boat, but I'm trying out new, new ways of welcoming you. Right, not both because we both know I get very seasick. So let's not let's not let's stick to a train. So do I, even on like a pedalo. Pedalo, yeah. But you're all right on a paddleboard. Yeah, because you're moving fast enough. And also, I just paddleboard on a lake. I would not. How fast do you paddleboard? Um, I don't know if you've heard how rapid I am, Sarah. Literally, best paddleboarder in the world. Won't even see me. I'm like meow across the lake. <laughs> What, up and down the deck. <laughs> yep. Taking out, you know, small swimmers in my wake. Get out the yep. way. Um, oh, my goodness. Okay, uh, yeah. well, I didn't realise. didn't realise you were so quick. <laughs> That's awesome. I think maybe just because it was on a lake and not the sea that I don't find it. And obviously it's quite flat often on the lake. So Yes, so no tides are there. And no, no, none that of that. Time. And also what I meant was if I'm moving on a lake, not that I'm just whizzing around, round around the lake, making everyone dizzy, then obviously you're not feeling that motion, are you? Do you know what I mean? Anyway, I'm going to move on now just because that was weird. So sorry I caused that. <laughs> what news do you have? I've got so much news. Oh, great. Our listeners are so amazing. I know that we know this. But I love our listeners so much. And we always say this is a community and it really is. So obviously last week we were chatting about HIV and risk, weren't we, in our Aura Quick sponsored episode. And we had a few questions in there, didn't we? Just between you and I. Our listeners, they've only got in touch to give me the answers to these questions. I love this. Right. So Oliver Brown got in touch, who I know you will have heard of. He's an HIV activist. He's also in the Royal Navy. He does tons and tons of amazing advocacy work. So hello, Oliver. Thank you for emailing. He messaged and said tattooing. He said, you talk about the best practice of asking about bloodborne viruses. And that's spot on. 
And then he said, we obviously asked why. Why do tattooists need to know that someone's positive? Now, Oliver's brother is a tattooist. Oh, brilliant. Excellent. No. So Oliver said, it's key to understanding the profession's perspective. He said, you're right. There's no reason regarding transmission. Controls are the same regardless. A professional tattooist, however, will have a huge interest in their client being relaxed and comfortable. That is not simply to make a positive experience, but for someone who is tense and not at ease about the situation, such as a fear of sharing their status, as they think they might be discriminated against, that means their muscles will be tense, their skin less pliable, and with that, the needle will respond differently as a result and affect their artwork. Mind blown. And that makes so much sense. Right, I get it now. Because if you are tense, it's obviously going to affect your tattoo, isn't it? Okay, so it's more, so it's about making people feel kind of relaxed or building a rapport as well. So, yeah, but even beyond that, as he said, so even beyond just feeling comfortable, if you are tense, the literal artwork that is being put on your skin will be different because you're tense. And so everything, it just changes everything. So it's in the tattooist's best interest, obviously, because they want to, you know, they're doing good work, want to show their good work. They don't want someone to walk out and it's all over the place, probably, because they were so tense. But thank you so much, Oliver. How amazing is that? It's good to have these connections, isn't it? Isn't it? So he's not the only one. Oh, OK. I've got more. I've got another answer for you. Well, I, I, I actually think the answer is for myself because I feel like I asked this question. I've never Um, seen you looking so pleased about anything in your life. I'm so, honestly, it's been so lovely having so many people just like pop into the the DMs, slide into our DMs and be like, oh, hey, you asked this. I've got the answer. Here you go. So um, this is actually a personal connection of mine. So my friend Beachy, who listens every week. Hi, Beachy. He messaged me to say about giving blood. And, you know, I said they take a little bit of your blood initially to see if it sinks or floats. And I was like, I don't actually know why. I thought it was about feeling well. So they are checking the haemoglobin levels to make sure that you have enough before you give blood. Is he a doctor? No. Well, I think from now on you should refer to him as Dr. Beach. Okay, so thank you, both Oliver and Beachy. Thank you very much. Literally loved it. Oh, the other thing I have to mention about Oliver, though, because obviously I I always ask people if I can share you know, what they've sent us. And I asked him and he said he shares most things, Sarah, but not chocolate buttons. You'll have to fight him for them. Sorry, Oliver, we can't be friends, but never mind. It was all looking so hopeful. All based on chocolate buttons. Yes, that's the currency I use for friendships these days. Well, people know you well, Sarah. They know you well, is all I can say. (laughs) And yet still Cadbury's have not delivered my box of goodies. I know, what are they doing? Oh, Sarah, we should go to the Cadbury factory as like an HIV podcast day out. Oh, we should. I've been there before. Have you? um, Yes, I've been there twice. Oh, wow. Do you get free chocolate? Oh, God, yes, you get free chocolate. Yes. Oh, wow. I mean, you have to push past all the kids to get it, but, you know. Batting them out the way. Just swept through. (laughs) Yeah, kids flying everywhere. Yes, so you get uh, free samples of, like, liquid chocolate. That sounds awful. um, Obviously, got a shop, so, I mean, we spent a fortune in there. Oh, my God. Best day out ever. <laughs> I can tell. You are loving talking about that, Sean, team building day. Anyone that doesn't know, Sean's our boss. So, you know, just, just floating that out there, Sean. Let us know what you think. Yeah, little team day out. Yeah. Uh, more so for you. I want to go to Crisp World. Where's Crisp Oh, my God, there is one in Ireland, isn't there? There's Tato Land. Is there? Yes, it's a theme park. I think it's a theme park about Tato's. I really want to go there. And they're the crisps, aren't they, in Ireland? So I don't think there's a crisp world in the, in England. Okay, so campaign to start crisp world starts now. 
because Walker should, they should do it, shouldn't they? And they're based in Leicester. So Walkers, if you're listening, please get on this quickly. And the last thing that I have to tell you, this isn't about, this isn't news from our listeners, but it is something very, very important. So today, July 21st, is Zero HIV Stigma Day. So what it is, is a global movement uniting people, communities and entire countries to raise awareness of HIV and take action to end HIV stigma in all its forms. Now, the theme for this year, 2023, is human first. And what they've said of that is it means we see the person before the virus, that a person living with HIV is a human first. They need to be recognised and acknowledged and they deserve every human right just like everyone else. Any discrimination against people living with HIV should be seen as a human rights violation. Yeah. I agree with all of that. This is a worldwide thing, right? Yes, worldwide. Yeah, global. Yeah. Oh, I do like a global day. A global day of action. I do too. Mm-hmm. Um, and if, so if people want to find out more information, either go on any social media and type in human first or um, zero HIV stigma day because the hashtags will come up or they can go to zerostigmaday.org, which is the website and go and find out all about it and, you know, what they can do. Because it's not just about, it's a bit like International Women's Day, Sarah. It's not just about paying attention on that day. It's what can we do all the time moving forward, right? Yeah, no, I'm fully in agreement. I know I was getting a bit angry then, wasn't I? It's getting a little, yeah, yeah. little bit Calm upset. Down. I know. Well, I don't know why I'm shouting at everyone listening because everyone listening is already doing a lot to help lessen HIV stigma by just being here with us and listening to us rattle on about chocolate buttons. You're going to have to open your emergency packet of crisps. Oh, no, why? Because you're getting all angry. Oh, I see. I thought you were going to tell me something terrible. What is your favourite crisp? Have we talked about this? Oh, Sarah, it's so complicated. It's so complex. So if you're talking for breakfast, so that would be either a big packet of Frazzles or Flaming Hot Monster Munch. But they can only be had at breakfast time. I will not eat those at any other time of the day. I hope you um, screenshot an expression of my face then. (laughs) There are many, many rules. Do you know what? I don't think we have time for all of them. That's just a taster. Of some of those. It depends if I'm, am I having it with the sandwich? What am I having it with? Am I having it with lunch? Is it to go in some dinner food? Is it just as a snack? What time of day is it? Sometimes I do wonder about my obsession with chocolate buttons. And I think, you know, I don't think this is kind of normal behaviour. And then I hear you talk about crisps and realise that I've got nothing to worry about. Yeah, I don't think you do. I think if you if you don't have like specific breakfast chocolate, then you're okay. No, I don't have any chocolate for breakfast. Why not, though? I, I always think you should be able to have whatever you want for breakfast. I feel like we've been sold a lie with breakfast foods. And I have always, I've always had like a little bit of a speech about it. There was, I swear I've told this story on here before, but the guy in the local petrol station that basically yeah. tried to give me a lecture and then I got him to eat crisps for breakfast. I just think there is probably, probably, I'm not saying there is factually, but in lots of like chocolatey cereals or in white bread, there's tons of sugar and calories. And I think it's probably about the same amount in a packet of crisps. So as an adult, I very much think you should just eat whatever you like. Like when Ben goes away, he can. Sometimes I eat things like nachos for breakfast and chili because he's not here and he can't say to me, you're disgusting. Lasagna, lasagna for breakfast sometimes. Why not? Have whatever you like. But I am aware that other people find it quite gross. So that's why I hide it like a weird goblin when he goes away, scuttling around the house, eating whatever I want for breakfast. Yeah, I, d- I don't think I could stomach lasagna for breakfast what do you have for breakfast well toast what with it though just buttered toast see when i have my toast i have to put the toast in the freezer before i butter it no no 
You've never done that. Don't you want the butter to melt? No, I don't. I want the bread to be cold and I like the butter to sit on top of that. No melting. Try it. Give it a go and let me know what you think next week. So make your toast. You want it so dark that it's almost burnt, but not quite. Then get it in the freezer, cool it right down, butter it, give it a go. Tell me what you think. So we've certainly learned a lot about you today. So thank you. (laughs) What are we doing today? This is our third episode. Do you know what? You've blown my mind so much with the weird toast thing that I'm just like, I don't know. I don't think I even care anymore, Jess. <laughs> right, we'll start that again and you can edit all of it out. So um, we're looking at HIV in the transgender community and this is our third episode. So two weeks ago, because last week we looked at risk, we looked at the risk associated with uh, transitioning in relation to acquiring HIV. This week, we look at other risks for our transgender community. So, for example, what are the risks for those who aren't going through gender affirming procedures? Because we haven't looked at that at all, have we? Right. Okay. no, you're right. We haven't. And actually, I think for us, because we constantly said we're learning so much, especially about this topic, I think it's thrown up so many more questions, hasn't it? Even this morning in our team meeting, we were having quite a discussion about all the other questions that we have. We went off on quite the tangent. We did, yes. And I don't think we're going to answer them all in this um, episode, but you know, it's work in progress, isn't it? Okay, so risks. So they might be more likely to engage in anal receptive sex, which we know carries higher risks, and they might be more likely to engage in sex work. Now, I know those are quite sweeping statements, and you'll, you'll know already that there's very little data to back all of this up. So in terms of sex work, it's not been fully researched, but there are some studies showing high STI rates amongst trans people in America. Very little data in the UK. Right. But as to why they might engage in sex work, I don't know. Well, like we said, there, there, there will be no studies on this because there are seem to be no studies and no stats on anything. So we can only go on the small bits of data that we can find, right? Absolutely, yes. And and we'll cite the sources where this information comes from. Again, we've used kind of reputable sources that we use all the time. I guess one reason could be because if you want to have medical procedures in a lot of places in the world, you're going to have to pay for them. That's very true. And it's extremely expensive. Yeah. So that could be one of the reasons why they do that. What we do know is that depression, anxiety, suicidal ideation, substance misuse and risk of violence is much higher among transgender people. And that is better documented. And we know that all of those factors contribute to poor poorer health outcomes when it comes to HIV. Again, that's been well researched. So if you're experiencing any of those uh, factors, then your health and well-being becomes less of a priority. So you're more likely not to take your HIV medication, for example. You may be more promiscuous, either as a form of escape or because you want to feel needed and loved. So again, the transgender community are at higher risk of developing HIV complications because of this. Right. I see what you're saying. We also know, because we talked about it earlier, that there are barriers to transgender people accessing sexual health services. Do you know, actually, I think that extends to any service. So it's much harder for them to mitigate the risks that they face. Because they're not accessing services. So they're not getting that information. They're not speaking to like specialists or support workers. Is that what we're saying, essentially? Yes. Definitely. So they are putting themselves at risk, but, you know, there are barriers to them then accessing help. Um, And I think it goes beyond them being misgendered because of the forms 
they fill in. I think it's more to do with transphobia because that is a thing. Yeah, massively. And and one bad experience, as we know from the trans people that, that we work with, our service users, one bad experience can really tarnish how you feel about an entire service and just make you disengage. And then even not want to engage with, you know, a similar service in a different area because you assume that's the reaction, that's the response you're going to get. Yeah, it's terrible. It is. And I think, you know, it's like any other form of stigma, isn't it? It's based on lack of education. It's based on a lack of understanding and not appreciating how damaging misgendering someone or using the wrong pronoun can be. I mean, it can be upsetting in any setting, can't it, for that to happen to you. But in a medical setting, oh, devastating. You don't want to be having to deal with that on top of what you're actually there to talk about, right? It's just like another level of like, really? There are challenges facing the health service at the moment you know they're still catching up with the backlog from covid you've got a long waiting list you're literally like on a conveyor belt just pushing people through the system to get the treatment that they need mm. so i don't think people are always aware of the damage that can be done by just you know calling someone he instead of she yes but having to always think to refer to people by their names or, or they can be tricky too i just hope everyone's trying at least i really do you would hope so. And we know from our service users um, that are living with HIV, they've experienced stigma. And it's just so difficult, isn't it? I mean, I've had um, service users who have seen HIV written all over their medical notes, for example, or in red, like danger. And it's completely put them off accessing any other health service because they're like, this is why does it have to be written in that way? And you would hope that if someone is transgender they aren't having to experience that yeah it's complex isn't it really complex it is and it took years of campaigning to change the way that professionals kind of dealt with HIV and normalized it and didn't make it a big thing and I I just hope we don't have to have years of campaigning for the transgender community I hope we don't but I think sadly history often repeats itself doesn't it one day we will live in a world where gender is just doesn't even come into it. I just don't know why some people are so angry about it, though. Like about we've talked about this before, I know, but about using people's pronouns. It's just if someone said, could you please call me this? Like it's I just don't think it's hard. Isn't it just polite? I feel like we're very British. I'm like, that's just polite. They've asked me to do that. So I just don't think it's a hardship, basically. With our service users. Now, I don't know if this also affects the transgender community. I'm kind of thinking ahead. But with our HIV positive service users, if they are living with other health challenges alongside their HIV, often they end up getting caught in a vicious circle where symptoms they present with are attributed to HIV or vice versa. And they end up going backwards and forwards between health professionals. And we have both had situations with our service users where we have had to kind of unpick everything because by the time, well, not by the time they come to us, most of our service users are really good at it. They know what's happening. But it gets to a point where they're like, I just can't keep going backwards and forwards. And someone's saying it's your HIV. It's not your HIV. And then we can step in and help them determine what the root cause is for the problem and then get the treatment that they need. But it's very frustrating. So I was thinking if you're transitioning and you have health complications, you've got other factors. So you've got those health professionals that are helping with your transition. If you're HIV positive, you've got your HIV consultant. If you develop other health conditions, you've got other people involved. And it seems to be that the more people involved in your care, 
the less likely it is you get answers when you present with symptoms. I don't know. Is that fair or am I being unfair? No, no, I think you're right, to be honest. And actually, I think it takes really strong people who continue to bounce between them because it's unbelievably frustrating to not get answers for things and to constantly it's like a little merry-go-round isn't it where you're told it oh no no it's over here no go back up back over there you know and you're like no we've just spoken to them so so I think you're right just it makes it more complex again it's it's very very complex it is isn't it and I know I mean there'll be people that are kind of hey where are you going cat wants in on this she's got views um and I know oh come on then they don't have to deal with this on parenting hell you know animals interrupting them all the time cats climbing all over them yes uh right what were we saying i know there'll be people that totally disagree with that statement and you know we'll be accused of kind of bashing health services we're not but i'm basing it on service user experience yes we actually think that nhs are wonderful i do that's the thing i do but no, no service is above receiving not even criticism, observations. I mean, I've spent many hours trying to help those with comorbidities navigate the healthcare system. And I think the more factors you throw into it, the more complex it gets, uh, the more people you're relying on to communicate with each other. It is not easy. Yes, I I think you're right. I think you've summed it up perfectly there. It's around adding in more and more and more healthcare teams. So therefore, expecting everyone to communicate all the time is going to be incredibly difficult. Absolutely. Okay. Now, I've said this all the way through. So we've used data from sources we trust via Google, but some of our sources are sort of six, seven years ago. um, And I genuinely couldn't find more up-to-date studies or data by Googling, which is how I always start looking for anything rather than raking through archives of kind of medical literature. I love that, though. I love that vision, Sarah, of like, you know, like you're in a film, you've got your little half moon glasses down your nose. You're you're going through like index cards, like in a, do you know what I mean? She's like a little librarian down in the basement in the archives. Nah, she's just Googling it. I prefer my vision of you doing research. So I do spend my time in a dusty old basement. Of course I do. My preferred environment. (laughs) And you couldn't find any more information in our archive that doesn't exist called Google. (laughs) No. So, you know, we've based our podcast episodes on what we could find. But one thing we do need to look at is how we move forward. Yes, I'm being proactive this week. Normally, I just say this is all that's wrong. No ideas how we crack on and move forward with it. Oh, I like it. I've got one suggestion that is uh, just let's just get some data. Let's do some studies. Anything, people, anything. Come on. We need some new statistics. Well, I've been very proactive and I've asked uh, transgender service users what they would like. Uh, And they said, just let them be part of the decision making. Let them help shape the services that serve them, of course. That's kind of perfect. So I've put that as number one because I think it's the most important. Number two, reduce the inequalities they face. So we've got to ensure that services are inclusive Uh, recognise that gender fluidity exists and that gender identity goes beyond checking if someone is male or female. Uh, Number three, by this time they'd lost interest, by the way. Was it just you (laughs) scribbling away fiercely? (laughs) Uh, But it's the point that you've raised, more funding to do more data research. So every source states how little research there's been, uh, which is just not helpful. So let's put some funding into getting good quality data and then we can kind of help 
move forward with services. Um, and also, I put more funding in general to help um, educate the wider community. I think that's really important. Well, we're always asking, aren't we, for another HIV campaign, like the big one in the 80s. And I think it's very much needed. But I do think uh, a campaign for the transgender community um, is much needed as well. But on top of that, I would actually like to say, I'm going to add, uh, what number were we at? We're at number four. This might be like a 4B. Maybe your bit was like 4A. My bit can be 4B. Yeah. Okay. Um, I also think that, yes, absolutely, there need to be more campaigns. But also, a bit like we had acknowledged that it was on us that we didn't have enough information about the trans community, especially in relation to HIV. It is on us all as well to learn a little bit more. So I mm. hope that other people, individuals, will learn more and like share some of these podcast episodes and yeah, it's on all of us, isn't it, to keep learning and, and be engaged and be interested in what's happening with this community. But yes, no, I think I think your point's right. And I'm so grateful that um, our service users were happy to sit down and have a chat with you about this. I say happy. They were literally, Sarah jokes that they were like, oh, she'd bored them. They were like ready. Like, we are ready to tell you our thoughts on this, you know, mm-hmm. because not enough people ask, do they? That's what we found. No one's sitting down and saying, well, tell me what you think about your community yeah and how you want services to look and how you want to access them we should be doing it with all communities but I think this this is a priority now um as a bit of a side you mentioned having another campaign around HIV which we absolutely need like we had in the 80s I mean let's not have it like the one in the 80s that scared everyone to death let's not do that um, but yes, the same kind of um, impact. But lovely Will Hampson has started a petition and is petitioning the government to do another national campaign because it's so sorely needed. So um, go and check him out on social media and you'll clearly see the link where you can go um, and sign this petition. And we'll also share it as well. It could happen. I love your hope. I really do. I just don't think they care. Well, they should care because, you know, the government has signed up to the pledge that we reduce HIV transmission rates to zero by 2030, right? That's seven years. And it's not going to happen unless we take everyone with us. And at the moment, I don't think we are. So, you know, the transgender community, for example, through no fault of their own, are disadvantaged because of everything we've talked about in the last three episodes. So they're not even at the same starting point as the rest of the HIV community. So how on earth can we achieve that pledge when we're not all starting from the same place? I just, I just think it's really unfair. Exactly, exactly. So it's how how would we reach uh, the, their pledge of zero transmissions by 2030? How? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, we're fully on board with it. <laughs> but then what? Yeah, we, we would like it to happen. Of course we would. Of course that's what we all want. But what we're saying is, yes, exactly what you said. You can't just leave entire communities behind. Just go, we're off over here doing this thing. But you guys just, you know, we're not really taking care of you. We're not really doing better and recognising your needs and helping you to understand where risk lies because no one's bothering to do any research. Like, we'll just be over here trying to solve everything and we'll just leave you down there. Like, no. I'm flummoxed. Oh, what a good word. Buy it, if I'm honest, at the moment. But we will do, I think I've said this before, that we will do an episode. I've got the energy for it, Jess. We'll do an episode on kind of how that pledge is looking. 
oh, I feel like by your tone of voice, it's not going to be one that where we get like confetti and streamers out and go, yay, we're almost there. I feel like that's yeah. not the episode, is it? No, I know. I don't know about the rest of the UK. Maybe in some areas they're like, yes, this is going to happen. But I can absolutely guarantee in Berkshire and Hampshire, it is not yeah. at the moment. So much work to be done, Sarah. Well, there is, but a lot of that work, I think, is out of our hands. I think, you know, we've been inundated recently with new referrals and people who are newly diagnosed. That's a good thing. You know, they've they've gone and got themselves tested and they're seeking support for us. But as we know, there is quite a large proportion of the community that don't test and don't know their status. And how do you kind of move forward with that? There are some attitudes that just aren't changing and actually it's sort of exactly what will hampson's saying isn't it like we need to be reaching everybody it's i've talked about this before you know when we have health days and things like that yes they're fantastic and it's great that you know communities are coming together but actually the people that attend those health days they're probably not the people that you actually really need to be attending those health days so how do we reach everyone exactly yeah, and we're doing a huge disservice to those that are the quietest within the community. And I would count the transgender community as part of that. They are often hidden. They don't have the loudest voices because they're so fed up with the stigma that they receive. So we do them a disservice by ploughing ahead with the pledge without kind of taking them with us. <laughs> oh, crikey, that turned into quite the rant, didn't it? <laughs> God. Everyone out there is like, why are they so angry every episode these days? Oh, because I don't know why. Because of inequality, Sarah. Actually, this is quite an apt episode, by the way, because as we've said, it's zero HIV stigma day. I think let's just make it zero stigma day for everyone, for everything. Yes. Oh, wouldn't that be amazing? And I know there's probably people listening going, well, if you're that unhappy and you're not going to make the pledge, then do something about it. Trust me, we are trying to do everything that we can. We're working with public health. We're working with the healthcare trusts to achieve this. But we have to be realistic and honest. We can't just plaster a smile on and be like, oh, my God, yeah, this is so great. It's so going to happen. I think that's the issue, isn't it? Just blindly going, yep, we still think so. It's okay to have these conversations to say, where are we at with it? Is Mm. is this happening? Who, Like you said, who are we missing? Who are we leaving behind? And how can we change that? Nothing will change if we don't have these conversations. So well, no, done. I agree. Well, I agree. You think we should be having more conversations like this? Nice. That'll be fun for everyone. Future episodes full of happiness and light. Yeah, maybe I'll, I'll start putting um, warnings on them of like Sarah and Jess get quite angry in this one. Oh, it's more frustrated, you know. We yeah. both, when it comes to um, equality, we've both got quite strong views, haven't we? Yes, and we both like. Well, I'm sure most people want everyone to be treated equally. I'd love no. it to be true, but unfortunately, I think that's yeah, it's that it's not always what we see, is it? No, it isn't, and I find it very sad. Um, and sometimes it's it's heartbreaking mm. because at the end of the day, we're all human, and I think some people don't deserve the criticism and the stigma that they experience. Yeah, well said, Sarah. There you go. That anyway, it? that's it. That's done. We're at the end of our journey. Hopefully. We've got a better understanding of the transgender community and the challenges they face. Yes, well, in terms of HIV, definitely. Still lots, lots that I have to learn for sure. And I'm more than happy to acknowledge that. Um, But yes, the journey has begun. We shall continue learning. 
uh, we will and we may well do um more episodes in the future as we learn more and as our uh, transgender service users come up with more ideas i like it once you start kind of asking them for ideas no stopping them it's just on a roll they're like oh mm-hmm. yeah and um, what do we have next week oh i don't know jess okay. what is next week actually i do know what we're doing i try and be mysterious but i just can't keep it in is that how so, you is that how you're mysterious your husband is so lucky that's how you're mysterious by going i don't know sarah the woman of mystery don't know <laughs> mate <laughs> <laughs> so next week we're getting a bit sciencey actually because we are looking at elite controllers I'm very excited about this, I have to say. So elite controllers essentially are people who don't need meds. Yes, don't always need meds. Okay, so don't always need meds. So that is going to be fascinating because, again, oh, I say it all the time. I feel like I should stop saying, I don't know much about that. How do I work here? How do I have a job? (laughs) What do I know about crisps, everyone? Toast in the fridge, keeping your butter on top, big cups, my dogs. Paddleboarding like a pro. That's yeah. what I know about. So lucky. <laughs> oh, I'm the work? best work colleague in the world. <laughs> but that's why you're here with all the knowledge you're teaching me. I'm like a little sponge soaking it up. A sponge. Yeah, soaking up the moist. Oh, you're going to have upset a lot of people with that word, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't but that's know. what, and that's when I think of a sponge. I think of something that's moist and a bit. Sometimes I can smell. <laughs> Well, it was stinky. So I had a smelly old sponge in the corner of the office. She knows nothing and she stinks. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> well, there we go. I mean, this is our relationship to a T, isn't it? Very much is. So join me in the sponge next week. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the HIV podcast. If you enjoyed our podcast, please like, rate and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can now also follow us on Instagram and TikTok at The HIV Podcast for behind-the-scenes insights and video. The HIV Podcast is produced by Thames Valley Positive Support. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.